0: Welcome back, everybody. And I hope your week is off to an amazing start. I am literally recording the intro to this podcast the day before it goes live, which is really rare for me. I always record at least a week before, or I try to record at least three weeks out, give or take three or four weeks out, which is the best thing to do in case you're thinking of starting a podcast. I always recommend prepping a couple weeks ahead. But what's exciting is that because I'm recording Recording this basically in real time. Yesterday, we got a dog. We adopted a dog from Fetch and Release, and she is a three-year-old Akita Husky mix. So she's known as a Huskita. She basically looks like a wolf, and she even has the two different colored eyes. So a brown eye and like this beautiful, bright, like bluish white eye. She's so beautiful. She is so damn sweet and rolls on her back and just wants tummy rubs all the time. She's just so damn adorable. And we've been in this adoption process for quite some time. We were looking at dogs way back in like March, and we had actually connected with this Korean rescue and they have a sister rescue here in Toronto and they send dogs over from Korea. And there's, you know, there's just so many dogs globally that need foster homes and need to be adopted. And so we were just searching around all kinds of rescues. And then, uh, you know, it just became a little bit challenging in terms of like, when would a dog get shipped out because of everything that was going on with the pandemic. And, And so we then decided to look more locally because we know there are, of course, a lot of dogs here locally that need a lot of, support and to be adopted. And so we went on PetFinder.com. And basically, PetFinder is like the dating app for humans and dogs, I guess you could say. And so we... Applied for a few dogs because oh my god, like they actually go quite quickly. So some of the dogs that we were applying for just went like within days, and so we kept going on there and and getting updates about new dogs. And um and then we found Molly, and so she's adorable. And so we um, applied for her just a few weeks ago. Our application got approved, and they do go through quite a process, which. I think is wonderful because there are definitely some questionable people that own dogs, and so I think it's really important to really screen people. And so they, we went through, you know, an initial call, going through our application, and just having them ask us questions. And then from there, we did a virtual tour of our house and brought them around our house so they could see the house and backyard and all of that. And then uh, just the other day on Friday, we went to go meet her officially so we could actually. Make sure it was legit and there was a connection there. And, uh, you know, we loved the dog and that she loved us. And then yesterday they dropped her off at the house and she's been awesome. So it's been quite the transition, of course, because we have two Bengal cats. And so we have to be conscious of, you know, their interaction. And there's just a lot of monitoring right now. And our oldest cat, Monkey, I mean, he's actually quite into dogs. We used to have a dog about nine years ago. It was the dog that I had with my ex. And so she's with my ex right now and she's got a great loving home there. But at that time when I was moving into the condo, it just didn't make sense to have a dog. And I also wasn't full-time in my online business. I was a sales rep and I was on the road a lot. So it just didn't make sense for me to have the dog at that time. And so I gave her to my ex. But Monkey would meet with that dog, Poppy, when I had her. And she would, you know, I'd babysit Poppy and she'd come over to the condo and like monkey was all over her. He would clean her tail. He would clean her ears. And like, he just loved her so, so much. So I feel like he just kind of has a thing for dogs. So he's been slowly coming around. He's come up to Molly and he's sniffed her paws and she is a very obedient dog. Like she is really, really good. She knows to lie down um, and not get all excited when she sees the cats. And it's actually been really great, but. It's literally been like 24 hours, so we will see how how it goes. I'm sure she gets more comfortable in the house. Um, her true colors will start to come out, but um, she really is such a sweetheart. So, and we've heard some really great things in terms of her from her foster parents. Her foster parents had said that she's just really obedient and she knows a lot of commands, and she's just really, really great. So, um, yeah. So it's been really great, and we're really excited. She has quite the history. And, you know, just she's had a tough go at it. And she came from Manitoba and was found as a pregnant stray. And um, she had a lot of complications with the pregnancy. And there was like a fetus that was like stuck and they had to surgically remove it. And so she did lose her litter. um, And she was basically on her deathbed for like four days. And um, she bounced back in a super resilient and we're just excited to give her a really um, happy and loving home. So I'm really excited to share that with you guys. And you can see pictures of her and all kinds of stories over on my Instagram at holistic wellness foodie. All right. So before we dive into our episode today, I want to give a shout out to Alatora Naturals. I have mentioned this beautiful skincare company before. And I'm so excited to release the episode with the founder of the company in just a few weeks. You guys are going to love it. And I just want to give a shout out to their incredible clay mask. So if you go onto their Instagram page, you'll see some amazing before and afters, um, especially if anybody has been dealing with any acne. And this is why I want to give a shout out to this product because I've had a lot of women over the years message me about suggestions for acne. And of course, diet and lifestyle plays in a very important role. That's key, of course. But when it comes to what we can use topically, we want to be conscious of using clean ingredients and not stripping the skin. And so the clay mask is really about rebuilding the skin from the inside out and the ingredients in this are just insane. It has 9 nutrient-dense ingredients that work to exfoliate dead skin cells, reduce pore openings, stimulate blood flow, and really encourages growth of new skin cells. And it's very detoxifying. So I love it. And it really does produce this like porcelain smooth skin and just radiant glow. It is gorgeous. I love, love, love it. It has vitamin C. It has colostrum, which is drawn from grass-fed cows in their first six hours of milking. And it has fresh pearl powder, which minimizes sunspots and even skin tone. And of course, the colostrum is loaded with nutrients and minerals and enzymes and amino acids. And then it has American ginseng, Which clears blemishes and it's very good for blood building. And then it has organic kelp, which is just very earthy yet potent. Trust me, when you put it on your skin, it basically smells like you are literally taking like seaweed straight from the ocean and just putting it on your skin. So it does have that like salty smell to it. And the kelp is just really nourishing for the skin. So It is beautiful. I love it so much. I've been using it once a week. I've also been using their daily moisturizer and I've been using their gold serum. Um, I basically have all of it and I just, I love it. So um, I think you guys will absolutely love their products and you will love the clay mask. So you can get 20% off store wide, which is amazing. So any of their products, save 20% off. Just head to alatoranaturals.com. That's A-L-I-T. T-U-R-A. And the discount code is 20% off and it's healthy hormones. So just enter healthy hormones at checkout and save your 20%. And I know you guys are going to love it. And if you do use the clay mask, I would love to see some pictures of it and just send it my way or tag me over on Instagram and make sure to tag Alatora Naturals as well. All right. So let's dive into our episode today. I'm really excited to be interviewing Caitlin Weeks. Now we're talking all about the carnivore diet, what the carnivore diet is, why Caitlin started to implement it, the benefits of it, what a day in the life of eating carnivore even looks like. And it's just a really fascinating story to me. And I think that, and what I really encourage you to do is just listen to this with with an open mind, as I would encourage you to listen to any episode. Just because Caitlin is on the carnivore diet doesn't mean that we all need to be on the carnivore diet. Again, it's just about listening to things with an open mind. And by all means, if you feel that it's something you want to experiment with. And I think that that's wonderful. I think it's important to experiment with our diet and try new things and see what works for us and see what doesn't and kind of weed out the things that don't make us feel our absolute best. And so you may have been hearing about the carnivore diet in the past maybe year or so. I feel like it's really kind of been getting this buzz in the past year, but I've been hearing a lot about it mainly from men. And so that's why I wanted to bring Kaylin on because she's had quite an experience with it. And it's been really benefiting her health and her hormones and her weight. She does share, you know, a little bit about her family history and some of her dad's struggles. And I feel that, you know, genetically there's been some issues there perhaps with blood sugar and with insulin management. And this is why the carnivore diet has worked for her so, so well. So listen with an open mind. And by all means, if you want to give it a try, she does have a 182-page carnivore challenge ebook. You can find that over at carnivore30.info. And there's also a guide that she has 10 ways to get started on the carnivore diet. It's a free PDF download. And I'm going to put that link because it's a long URL. I'll put that in the show notes and you can always head on over to holisticwellness.ca to grab all the details there. So Caitlin Weeks is a certified nutrition consultant, former personal trainer, and owner of the popular keto blog, grassfedgirl.com. She's the best-selling author of Mediterranean Paleo Cooking, a book that incorporates the Mediterranean diet and ancestral foods into easy easy flavorful recipes. After yo-yo dieting and excessively exercising through her teens and 20s, she was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease called Hashimoto's thyroiditis. While learning to heal her own thyroid issues with a full body approach, including getting rid of the toxins in her home, she chronicled the journey on her blog to help others dealing with similar issues. Her mission is to empower people to challenge conventional wisdom and find wellness through a nutrient-dense. Animal based diet. So let's dive in and I hope you enjoy our episode today. Hi, Caitlin. Welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to have you here today. Before we dive in, can you share with our audience more about who you are and what you do?
1: Thanks so much for having me, Samantha. It's really nice to be here. I'm a holistic nutrition consultant. I went to Bauman College in 2009 and Um, I started my blog after that and because I was so excited about everything I was learning (laughs) and I wanted to write it down. And then I worked with some nutrition clients and then I realized that really wasn't my thing as much for one-on-one. So I decided I would rather work kind of behind the scenes and I started doing recipes, healthy recipes, paleo recipes, and also I wrote a cookbook. Here's my cookbook right here.
0: Yeah, awesome. I own it.
1: (laughs) Thank you. And I just wanted to share about ancestral living because I was doing kind of the standard American diet, low fat, calorie counting, and running a lot, eating tofu. And I got super, super sick. And so I wanted to share that that is not a recipe for health. And you may get thin on that kind of thing, but eventually you will run into nutrient deficiencies. And I got diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis in 2010 or 2009, something around there. And it made me kind of wake up and realize that what I was doing was all wrong. And um, I had I was actually a personal trainer for 7 years before I became a nutrition consultant and uh you know that is not necessarily a healthy world of right <laughs> there's a lot of body i don't know negativity rather than positivity and for sure. there's a lot of um just extreme dieting and worrying about looks only and not worrying about long term health i mean it's kind of similar to doctors in that way. Um right. it's like let's just get rid of the fat or let's just deal with the immediate problem, not think about uh, you know, what is going on with the long term, what could happen long term. And so, you know, that plays into hormones. Um, you know, for the last many years, I've been struggling with I never, I was never somebody, I mean, I don't know, you know, how deep you go into this, but I never was somebody who missed their period or anything like that. But I always struggled with extremely heavy cycles, a lot of cramps, a lot of headaches, or not so many, but just one big, horrible one. Right. (laughs) So, you know, that's always a sign that you're Body, which and and that improved very as soon as I switched to a more kind of paleo-based diet with ancestral foods and higher fats, um, more protein. That all got better and better. In the last two years, I've been doing the carnivore diet, which because um, which I you know of course this is revolves around hormones as well. I suffered from chronic constipation. I think due to my. Hashimoto's, and you know, some people with Hashimoto's they go towards the fast, kind of speedy. <laughs> so they'll be more on the heart, fast heart rate, anxiety,
0: like kind of like almost hyper symptoms.
1: Right. Yeah. You can, you can go either way, and yeah. you can go. You can have both. Sometimes you're one. Sometimes you're the other. But I was never like that. I never had any of that stuff. I never had heart palpitations. I was mo- always on the slow, like the barely get out of bed kind of thing. The, and so the slow digestion and the slow energy and all that side, kind of on that side. So the digestion piece just never got better for me, no matter what I did. And so it just kept me looking for answers even though I was eating tons of vegetables, I was eating tons of fiber. I was doing all the things that you read about doing, you know, trying juicing. I mean, I can't even think of all the things that I've tried. And just there was no, no hope, no help, nothing changed. And I was just bloated and miserable all the time. And so um, that kept me and I knew that that you know, you, you can't ever regulate your hormones if you're not detoxing properly. And that's a big pathway, one of our main pathways, you know, besides right. sweating. And um, so elimination is so important. And I knew from my nutrition training that if that wasn't working, that I was never going to really get better. And so, so once I tried the carnivore diet, which is actually fiber free, <laughs> I finally saw resolution in that area, which most people can't believe. And they, for sure, really freaked out by that. Um, But, you know, I just say, if you're struggling with your digestion, and you've tried everything, you know, it's a free, a free way to experiment and see if it's, you know, could be helped with that. Because there's so many, I mean, I've done so much functional medicine testing, so much I never really did SIBO testing, but I did a lot of gut testing and I did have some parasites way back, but then more recently I didn't have anything. So I don't know, that just never seemed to really shed any light on things. Of course, I've done allergy testing, food sensitivity testing. Right. Right. And mineral you know hair testing, yeah, I've done I've, all I've of done the tests <laughs> almost everything that you can do, I've spent thousands of dollars, and I would say the carnivore diet helped me more than anything, especially in that aspect and then but being paleo being gluten free, it did help a lot, you know to help me get more on a in a homeostasis of not being so up and down or just it, it helped a lot. And of course I started taking thyroid medication in 2009, which I take nature. Well, I took nature throid. and then without that, I mean, I don't know. I don't know why people, it bothers me. I don't know if it's as much in like the AIP or the other paleo communities. They're not so hell bent on no medication. But in carnivore, people really, really, really want to get off their medication, and I think that's almost too much of an expectation. Because if your thyroid's damaged past a certain point, it may not ever make enough. And it, it's not just a—it's not just a supplement. You know, it's something right. that your body—it runs your whole metabolism. It has a big impact on your heart health. So it's just not something to play around with or restrict or think, I'm just going to be stronger and I don't need that, you know.
2: Right, right.
1: It's so detrimental if you don't take it. And um, I just think there's an attitude and maybe in other health communities as well that, you know, you're weak somehow if you have to have it. And I just, I can't get down with that because I have tried, you know, as recently as maybe two years ago to stop taking thyroid medication. Like I went on a big vacation for like a month to Thailand. And I thought, well, if any, if any time I could do it, it'd be like when I'm in the sun
2: and
1: eating coconut every day or something. And then by the time I was back from that, it was a month. And then I I told my husband, I said, I think you're going to have to drive me down I was going to get another lab test. And I was right. like, you have to drive me down there. I don't think I can make it all the way down there because they wanted like a new test before I got my dose re-upped. And I was just like, if I can't even drive downtown to get my stupid lab test, like, <laughs> right? messed up, you know? That's a so, sign. Yeah. And uh, he was like, okay, I'll just wait out here while you, you walk in there and get your blood drawn, you know?
0: Yeah, I think it is so bio individual. I mean, I work with so many women who do have thyroid issues. I have Hashimoto's myself, and it is really a bio individual journey. You know, you have to assess each person individually, and and just because somebody went off their medication doesn't mean that that may be the right thing for you. And I I love that women are like. Wanting to be drug free and all of that, and and of course I, I I advocate for that for sure. But of course it's it's within the right timing and it's in the right sequence. Like you know, let's make sure we've got everything else in place before you, before you kind of you know knock knock the medication. And sometimes too, you know, going on something like I used to, I was on desiccated natural desiccated thyroid for quite some time, and you know it might mean for somebody to switch off of their synthroid to something that's that has T4 and T3 in it and that might be better for them and sometimes it's not right so you kind of have to play around with it a bit and and do some trial and error for sure but i actually got off of my medication in november my desiccated thyroid um i was on a really low dose and i didn't feel any different And so I kind of just came to this point where I was like, you know what, I'm going to try just getting off of this to see how I feel. And of course, if I wasn't feeling good, I would go back. But it's been since November and I haven't gone back. And I actually, it's been really great. And I monitor my antibodies and everything every, you know, three to four months and check in. So, so yeah, it's, it's been good. And, you know, and I love that you're sharing your journey and your process, because again, you know, we're all experiencing it in our own ways and what works for me won't work for you and vice versa. Right? Right.
1: And it's also, you know, how long were you sick before? Right. How much damage did you do or did happen before you got on it? And there is a heredity factor. For sure. There's, you know, the triggers that that started it. I feel like uh, as many things wrong as you possibly could to trigger a thyroid attack for many years before it happened. and. Also, my father has Hashimoto's too. So it's like, you know, how many, (laughs) how many things, how many irons are you going to throw in the fire before you have like an explosion or whatever? So So can we
0: talk about that a little bit? Like, I'd love for you to expand on like, what were some of the things that you feel really led to your, to your diagnosis?
1: Well, I mean, I grew up in the South and uh, eating Southern comfort foods. So it's kind of funny, this... I guess it's a paradox, I think is the word, where sometimes I I spent a lot of time with my grandmother. So I was eating a lot of like fried chicken and gravy and rice and, you know, that kind of food, biscuits. And then I'd also spend a lot of time with my stepmother, who was on the whole low-fat train with, uh, you know, because this was the 90s or, you know. (laughs) And uh, she was feeding us, you know, marinara and noodles, and so <laughs> right. you know, she was making like things out of the Jane Brody cookbook, and everything was fiber, 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 and um, lentils, and you know, <laughs> so it was like I was eating not a lot of meat, but I of course we ate meat, but not. Whenever it was my stepmom's cooking, it was like chicken breast, and you know there was no fat, hardly at all. I don't think I had. I mean, healthy fats, (laughs) you know, growing up at all, except when I had eggs or, you know, there was no, we had mazola, like, oh yeah. And uh, my parents struggled with their weight and they took us to Weight Watchers, very young ages. They weren't trying to be mean to us. They were just new, they were just doing the best that they could. And Of course. And I mean, I was chubby, very chubby, even at at, like a six-year-old And then it just, you know, and my weight just went up and down. I mean, all over the place. And then in college, I got up to 240 pounds when I graduated, and I was just drinking beer, eating pizza. You know,
0: right? The college diet.
1: (laughs) Yeah, late night. But I was kind of like, I'm not dieting. I'm so sick of dieting. That was kind of my rebound. I was just like, I'm gonna eat whatever. I just want to have fun. I don't care. I'm, I had dieted in high school. I had starved myself in high school. I'd drink Diet Coke every day, all day long to right. try to get through like this diet. And then you binge when you get home from school because you've been starving all day.
2: For sure. And so I
1: had done so much. And then I had later in high school got into Long exercise, like you know, when you start driving, and I would drive myself to the Y and I'd stay there like all night on the elliptical and uh. you know, watch ER and, <laughs> and everything. And then, um, so I just had done you know so many things. And then after college, I was like, I'm gonna lose weight, I'm gonna get healthy. So I went to Weight Watchers and I lost 90 pounds actually, really fast because that was my wow. first time of kind of doing it on my own with my own motivation and stuff. And, um, I did learn some good things there, like how to plan better and how to kind of prioritize protein. Cause like, you knew you, you were never going to get through the day. You didn't eat more protein. Um, but it was of course it was fat, fat free protein.
2: Right. Right.
1: So, um, and I, and I did a lot of walking. So, I mean, there was some good things about that, but then since I'd lost all that weight, I was like, I want to get and I was the kind of person, I couldn't handle desk jobs. I couldn't sit in a cube. I couldn't, even though, I mean, I had finished college, whatever, but I just wasn't that kind of person who could just sit in a computer all day. I mean, of course I do that now, but <laughs> right. But it's at least in my own home. For sure. But I couldn't, so I, I thought, well, I'll become a personal trainer because I've lost all this weight and I moved to California. And of course I was living in the Bay Area. So it was all vegan, vegan, vegan. So I started getting into the, you know, save the earth, being a vegan, or I mean, I wasn't a vegan, but I was a vegetarian for a little bit. Right. And that year of being a vegetarian was the year that I got that, that I started getting sick. So I will always attribute that to that it may have been the final tipping point, you know, but right. The end of that year after eating very, I did eat some fish, but I was pretty much eating tofu two, three times a day, or some sort of tofu based thing right and um that is when I got sick so i will I will always think that that was a big thing with my Hashimoto's, and I was also started at that time running very long distances I mean, I was doing half marathons, I never got to a full marathon because my health <laughs> deteriorated so rapidly right. after that that I quit running because i just physically could not even hardly move out of once it hit really bad. I was sleeping 18 hours a day. Cause I was, I was exercising. I just got into a lot of weight training also because I was a personal trainer. So I knew right. all about weight training. So I would, and then I started not being able to recover. So I would have terrible joint pain for weeks on end from simple exercises that I had done, many, many times not in and not in a super heavy way. And it just was like, this isn't right. And then of course, my digestion completely stopped. And it was just all these things kind of all at once. And right. I, um, of course, you go to the doctor, they're like, Oh, just take some new birth control pills or change yeah. it and there. And I was about maybe 31 or 32. And they were like, you're just getting older now. Oh, God, accepted. And I was like, I think it was guy, my gynecologist, and, and I, I was kind of like, I don't know about this. <laughs> and then I did ask them for some thyroid tests, and they didn't really want to do the ones I want, because I had gotten a list of some of the right ones, actually, right, the whole, right. The whole panel. They didn't really want to do those, but I, I got them done anyway. And then I took those to a naturopathic doctor that I had run into right cuz it was San Francisco so there's a naturopathic doctor on every corner <laughs> right and sh- she said okay you need thyroid medication like yesterday right and even though i actually had like a one tsh like i didn't have
2: yeah super high a bad
1: TSH, but i had high antibodies and that's yeah. why it's so important i'm sure your listeners know that you need to do all those antibody tests because I had no, if I had just done TSH, they would have said, you're fine. Totally. sleeping 18 hours a day is not fine. You know? <laughs> so, um, I got the, I had the antibodies and she said, you need to try this natural desiccated thyroid nature throid. And, uh, within two weeks I felt like a whole new person. It was That's like awesome. the light had come on yep. in my dark room. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, now I wasn't all the way healed or by any means. And it just made me dive deeper into nutrition and everything and, and try to learn more about what I could do. And I started going reading. I think I had we we were going to all these Karazian lectures because he used to Oh yeah. He used to lecture in the Bay Area all the time. Right. And they had free lectures for students and stuff. And then like Chris Kresser was there, <laughs> so I started, you know, reading and studying everything Chris Kresser said, and so, you know, was I was really lucky to have access to all that kind of information, way back then. So it's amazing. You know, it helped a lot, and you know, I got on the right track, but I just kept having to refine it for my self.
0: <laughs> That's exciting. That's really really good. So then you found the keto diet, you found the carnivore diet, like how did that all kind of start? And what was your journey into that? What did that look like?
1: Well, even when I did paleo, I kind of knew and even from my Weight Watcher days, like I would buy one of those bars, you know, a package of the bars and I would eat six of the bars and you know, on the way home, you know, from the the meeting or whatever. (laughs) Right. I knew that I kind of had a problem with sugar. So even when I did paleo, I knew I couldn't handle the honey and the sweet potatoes and the the things that are sometimes an option. So I was already limiting that stuff because I just knew that I can't handle that. And then I had met a lot of people on the low carb movement. Um, I went on the low carb cruise. I don't remember how I met low carb people, but (laughs) maybe... I don't know, (laughs) maybe just online, but I've run into a lot of low carb people. And so, um, you know, that was before it was even called keto. And then, right. So I just felt more kind of at home with them because I knew I was kind of a sugar addict already. And every time I would try to eat some healthy sugar, it just didn't go well. And I would just freak out and, you know, eat everything in sight. So, right. So I gravitated more towards that way. And then, you know, when it was called keto, I was more into that, but I didn't really, some things about keto I didn't like because I couldn't handle, again, I still couldn't handle the treats, even if they had fake sugar or, right. you know, whatever all those names are. Erythritol
2: you know? or like Stevia yeah, or something, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, I have, I was a food, a food blogger and I would make a tray of, you know, peanut butter bars or something like that. And you know, either I had to get rid of it immediately, take it across to my neighbors or something, or I would eat the whole thing, right. even if it was not real sugar. And then what I didn't like was the, the emphasis on limiting protein, because I felt like, well, if I'm limiting protein, and I'm still hungry, then I'm going to, I am going to eat a jar of peanut butter, you know? Right. So I didn't didn't resonate with the limiting protein message. And I feel like it's better to eat more hamburger meat than it is to worry about your ratios and and that kind of thing. So I always, I couldn't get past that. And the vegetables, it was so hard for me after going to holistic nutrition school and it was all just like vegetables, 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 vegetables. It was really hard for me to limit my vegetables
2: right? because it was
1: just, it's so counterintuitive. And then there was total carbs and net carbs and it was just like, (laughs) It was a lot, (laughs) you know, I would subtract everything. And then I would think I was low carb. But was I really I don't know, you know, it's total carbs, then you really only get like total carbs, if it's like 20 carbs. And maybe I would have had more success if I did that just total carbs. That's like two pieces of lettuce. You know, I mean, it's just, if you do 20 carbs, for example, I mean, that's almost carnivore, really, you know, but but I was always so confused with the net carbs and total carbs. And, you know, and some people say, well, it just doesn't matter. Eat as many vegetables as you want on keto. It's just not going to hurt you. And it was just so confusing. And then my digestion was so bad that I just couldn't, I don't know, I just couldn't make heads or tails of anything really. Because right. I felt like I was doing things right. And I would do periods of time where I would limit carbs so, so much, and it didn't seem to make any difference. And then it wasn't until I really took them out completely that I saw dramatic improvements within like one month. And when you say like
0: dramatic improvements, do you mean like with your weight, with your health, with your sleep? Like what what was it? my
1: digestion. And that was really my why for the carnivore diet. I mean, weight loss has always been a thing, but... I'm not so crazy about weight loss that I it doesn't drive me to, you know, it's like it's nice, I'd like love that, but when I knew my my digestion wasn't working still after all this time and all this different stuff I've done, that was really what drove me to try the carnivore diet. So, I and mean, you have to have a strong why because it's very counter uh culture <laughs> to
2: For sure. To
1: do it. So, you have to have a really strong why, and I, I mean, it took me three like three months of hemming and hawing before I got into it because I was like, "Well, I'm traveling now," Ugh. you know. And then finally, I was like, "Okay, I'm just gonna do it for 30 days, and then I'm done," you know. Yeah. <laughs> and so, within 24 hours of eating no vegetables, i It felt like I lost 10 pounds of bloating. I mean, it was amazing because I was obsessed with like broccoli and cauliflower. And salad, and you know, for sure, and uh, and then I lost like ten pounds the first month, like on the scale, and 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 my skin changed, and I mean, I was already really healthy, so like, right by everyone's standards, you know, I was already really doing well, and so to see dramatic improvements over the first month, and then it still took me a while. I think it was an electrolyte issue. Right. So my digestion was still a little slow, which is going to change because you're not having as much just intake of food. Like your food is just, it's more bioavailable. It's used up completely. So there's just not as much waste. So it's going to be different. Your expectations should change. You're not going to be going to the bathroom, you know, 12 inches a day, every day, whatever (laughs) they say. And, you know, Paul checks book or something. So, so that changes. But then after I've got my electrolytes dialed in, in three or four months, I started to go to the bathroom every day without thinking about it. And that was the first time, you know, in nine years, 10 years. Wow. And I, I was just like, this is a miracle because so different from what you've been taught by every single person and every single thing and. Right. And then after I've been on a carnivore diet for about a year or two. No, I'm sorry, like a year, maybe, you know, sixteen months, fifteen, I don't know, whatever. I got pregnant. So now I'm pregnant. And then, you know, when you're pregnant, everything changes. For sure. <laughs> so I did up my magnesium, but my digestion's still going really well.
2: That's amazing.
1: I did just had to up up my I take magnesium SRT. I don't know if but it, it's very important people make, get the right magnesium because, you know, natural calm will make you go, but it's not a very absorbable form and it's not a very good feeling. Right. So, I mean, of course it's better than nothing.
2: Right. Right. But uh,
1: the, the SRT has been really helpful over the pregnancy and I had taken it before, but I didn't really need it as much. And so but for the pregnancy, it's been really helpful. But.
0: I don't know if I'm actually familiar with that one. Magnesium SRT.
1: It's like SRT mag or it's made by Jigsaw.
0: Okay. And yeah, maybe because it's not a brand I'm familiar here with like in Canada.
1: Oh, they sell it in, um, They sell it at my, I have a nurse practitioner that I go to and she sells it, but I mean, I you can get it on Amazon.
0: Awesome. So I want to backtrack a little bit for some of our listeners who might not be familiar with what the carnivore diet even is. Yeah. Let's dive into that and just kind of give us a brief overview of what it
1: is. Okay, great. Well, you know, I didn't know that it was going to become my like magnum opus of, (laughs) you know, that I was going to be carrying this Olympic flame for the carnivore diet. Yep. Because I, like I said, I was just going to do it for 30 days, but that was like two years ago. So yeah the main thing is just eating anything that comes from an animal so people i think overthink it you know there's some debate is it does it have to be zero carb does it have because some animal foods do have some carbs like eggs have a small amount and milk of course has a ton of carbs liver has some carbs shellfish have carbs right so i think you have to kind of figure it out for yourself but most people are almost zero carb and uh, you probably should start out that way just to make sure you're getting the best results and then you can always tweak it so main thing is just focusing on buying animal foods and you just fill up on animal foods so
0: and that includes both fat and protein
1: absolutely okay. you, you want to eat it just like the way they hacked it off the animal you know you don't want to try to, I mean, of course you could add fat to lean meats if you want to add like butter or ghee or right. Tallow. A lot of people eat tallow. Some people eat straight. They buy that suet and just like chop it off and eat it raw. Right. I haven't gotten into that, but I've never really done it. I'm more on the simple side of just like ground beef and eggs and And dairy is kind of a controversial part because, you know, there's a big food allergen.
2: For sure. Of
1: course, with your people will know that, but it is allowed. But a lot of people, it causes weight gain, it causes congestion. It can have carbs, of course, with milk. Yeah. Some people do heavy cream and... I wrote an ebook all about how to do the carnivore diet and I limit dairy in my ebook because I want people to get the best results.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, I don't want them to be sabotaging with cheese. And I think also like cheese for especially is it's a pre-made food. It's already so easy to eat and you could just sit there stand in front of the fridge. (laughs)
0: It's true. (laughs) I've done it many times,
1: especially the slices. Um, and a lot of people who come into the carnivore diet are autoimmune people. And, you know, that a lot of people with autoimmune disease have a sensitivity to dairy. Well, they get rashes and breakouts, acne. So you have to be careful with dairy. I, I've i done, especially with, since I've been pregnant, more goat dairy, mm-hmm. um, just because I have a lot of cravings and stuff. And that just kind of you know, soothes that need for something. I seem to do better with goat dairy than cow dairy. So that's kind of an option for people to try if they really want something. Right. But I always tell people, you know, use dairy like a condiment, put it on your burger one piece, you know, don't sit there and eat a tub of ricotta or something.
2: <laughs> right. So right. That's
1: what, that's what I want to do, but it never goes down very well.
2: <laughs> for sure.
1: And you will gain weight, I think, and you won't get the results that you want. So dairy as a condiment, I think most people can handle that. And then they can always go up or down for with sure. dairy if they feel some bad effect. It's good to, you know, monitor just like any other food introduction. You know, carnivore is the ultimate elimination diet. So when you add a food, you want to take notes and maybe wait like a week before you add something else, you know, sure. don't add 17 things at once, or you're not going to know what the heck was doing what, you know, so, and that's why the carnivore diet works so well, because you can very easily identify, okay, I ate, let's say, heavy cream in my coffee yesterday So then today I wake up and my nose, I can't breathe. So it's like, well, or I've gained five pounds overnight. Well, there you go. You've got your thing. You've got a big zit, you know, something. So it's pretty easy to figure out.
0: Yeah, that's definitely me. When I eat dairy, I I do break out. So I'm conscious
1: of that. I don't get that, but I get like complete congestion. And then when I was a little kid, I used to get ear infections, which I know was right. And then later I got... Tons of UTIs, yay! And
2: that was all related to the dairy. <laughs> yes. Wow.
1: So, um, so yeah, you gotta be real with yourself and like for sure. Yeah, it, you know, absolutely.
0: And, so, what about for those who are like, well, what about all the fiber, the antioxidants, the phytonutrients? Like, how could you just not eat vegetables? Like, that's crazy. Like, what, what do you say to that?
1: Well. I mean, just in my, you know, N equals one of, you know, I mean, I, I felt like after 30 days, I looked like five or 10 years younger. So, I mean, to me, it was like, I was absorbing more, obviously I was absorbing more nutrients. I was eliminating better. So that means to me that my gut was healing and, you know, and I'd been eating vegetables. So I was blue in the face for for years and i just was a wreck. So i mean you can do analysis paralysis all day long for sure. I don't think it's going to hurt anyone to try it for like 30 days. And you know if you if you try it and you don't like it then you know whatever. You tried you you spent 50 dollars on ground beef like whatever. You know you're not going to lose anything. So i just say try it if you especially if you have a strong why, as far as, you know, you want to get your symptoms under control or something like that. I mean, I think you do get tons of antioxidants from other foods. I mean, eggs have a lot of them. Liver has a lot. So, I mean, saturated fat is a very, very healing substance. So, I mean, you can talk yourself out of it very easily. For sure. But why are you looking into it? Something's not working. You know, why are you reading about it? Because you still have something that's not quite working. And I'm not saying this is going to be the magic bullet for everyone. Right. But, you know, why not try it? If you're having some of the things that I've talked about, like, why not try it and just see, you know, because going back to the hormones, there are some people who do this and they lose their cycle and stuff like that. There's been some people that have come out and said that, even you know influencers who did it for a while and stuff. And I, for me, things only really got better. But like I said, it wasn't a huge problem for me. I was always ovulating perfectly and stuff like that. So it wasn't one of my big issues. But I feel like the women who have come out and said that they were doing a lot of fasting, which I completely do not advocate at all, especially because it's such a big change. It's such a hard thing to wrap your head around. I would never tell somebody to fast. I mean, almost ever, but especially not when they're starting a carnivore diet. They're often under eating. I think women are just so conditioned to under eat and restrict calories. And so sometimes when they completely remove that carbohydrate piece, then they're, this, these foods are so filling. I mean, I had a lot of people tell me, you know, they're only eating a 1000 calories a day, but by accident, you know, not really realizing it. And it's like, I always say, you know, you probably need to eat about 2500 calories. I mean, that's what I ate without trying, too right. hard. you know, it's like right. something around there, you don't need to be counting, you don't need to be tracking. That's another big thing. People come in, especially a lot of people come in from keto, and there's so used to restricting protein they're so used to restricting calories sure. or counting calories or counting macros that they've made themselves like crazy really have to let that go and
2: yeah
1: and um that was why i was attracted to it in the first place they were like no counting no tracking just eat as much meat as you want but i always tell people eat a lot of fat eat a lot of fatty meat i mean i almost hate chicken altogether <laughs> especially what you'll see on carnivore, more people gravitate towards a beef and they just go more and more that way. They even eat less pork over time. It's like they just all start wanting beef. I don't know what it is. I mean, I was right. always that, I was always that way anyway, but so if, you know, people eating too lean, eating too little, yeah, you're going to screw up your hormones, you know, for sure. I mean, I've always eaten a lot of eggs because that was a good source of fat. I eat a lot of ghee because it's kind of a dairy-free fat. So you can't go take things from other diets and stick it into carnivore. You need to just let all that go and just eat as much as you can. i right. actually almost overeat at the beginning because that's going to keep you from eating a lot of carbs and other stuff that you're trying to avoid. And, and if you want to get the best results, I think you just need to kind of just eat as much as you can fit in your body, like, because it's just going to keep you on course. And then over time, you can go back to eating. You will want less because you're kind of like, you're revitalizing your body and you're healing and stuff. And then after a while, you're like, okay, I don't need as much and I can right. adjust. You know?
0: I am so curious to know, like what you eat in a day. What does that look like?
1: really just simple stuff like scrambled eggs with ghee. And then I'll eat a hamburger patty, maybe with some goat cheese on it. Or I used to eat two big meals. And now I'm eating three smaller meals since I've been pregnant. It's just like, I don't eat as much at one time as I used to. Right. So most people say you eat about two pounds of meat. But just don't confuse that for lean meat. When I say that, it's like got a okay. ton of fat on it or in it or with it. Right. And I mean, lean meat makes me want to barf. So yeah,
0: the th- <laughs> I mean, the thought of eating chicken breast does not excite me. Like, I, I don't think I've actually cooked it or eaten it in, in years. It's just no. No, it's so not my know. thing. Yeah. So when you say like scrambled eggs at breakfast, like how many eggs are you actually eating?
1: Probably Four.
0: Or, okay, and Wait, then see. I
1: put like a tablespoon of ghee in that.
0: Okay, and then that like that's it. That's what you would eat for breakfast.
1: It's just two totally different things because like before I might eat that in like an eight ounce burger patty as as well, you know, right. because I would be eating two meals. So I might Makes eat sense. that, or I might eat a ribeye first, like at ten or eleven or something, and that would be like one big meal. And then later on, maybe I'd have a hamburger patty and. Like two hamburger, patt- or you know, like a half a pound or, or a pound of hamburger meat at night. Right. So it just totally depends. But now that I'm eating three meals, it's like okay, well I might have the eggs, but then I know I'm. It's not gonna be that long before I would eat again because, you know, it's like nine to noon or something. <laughs> because yep. I mean, I'm at home anyway, so it's not like. And then later on, I might eat a couple hamburger patties, but a lot of hamburger meat. <laughs> yeah. Most people love ribeyes. You know, but that can get expensive, and you know, you sh- I like seafood, but of course you go back to the lean problem. So you're, you know, my husband is a chef, so he cooks things in a lot of butter and awesome. So that's good. It's just anytime you have lean meat, you have to add fat to add it. Enough
2: fat, right?
1: And I mean, you can have seafood, you can have shellfish, you can have just anything that is animal-based. We don't eat pork but a lot of people do and that's nothing wrong with that. It's just, my husband doesn't eat it. So we just don't have it around here. So.
0: Right. Okay. So yeah, I was just so curious. And then what about things like coffee or tea or certain condiments? Like, are you using mustard or, you know, what what does that look like?
1: No, I think it just, I love mustard. I've done AIP in the past. I think people should know where they stand kind of with nightshades and that, and spices and things right and it's a good opportunity to do that if you've never done it yep and over time i've gravitated more towards just salt um but i do love mustard on burgers and stuff but i can go without it too but you know you should know if you react to paprika or turmeric or whatever oh, yeah.
0: like black pepper or something yeah
1: <laughs> yeah i mean just seeing how removing vegetables has helped me i you know wonder would it be a even more beneficial if I did no spices whatsoever. But I also feel like you need a balance. Like I eat a lot of meals with my extended family and with my husband and, you know, if I'm eating with them and they put spices on things, I'm just like, whatever, you know, right, I, right. my husband puts basically cumin and for on every single day. So. <laughs> so it just depends on who I'm with and whatever. But if it's if it's just me, I'm all about the salt and I just don't care as much about all these other things.
0: Right. But yeah, I mean, for somebody who's just coming from, you know, a, a typical paleo diet, for example, and has a lot of flexibility to just go right into carnivore and cut all those things out like that, yeah, that could be quite quite the change. But for you, I feel like you've, you've kind of been on the journey a lot longer. So you're used to that sort of like you know, cutting you're used to cutting those things out. like you're, and of course, too, when you are so focused on the healing a- aspect and just wanting to feel better, you get to a point where you're like, I'll just do whatever I need to do, kind of thing, right? So
1: yeah, when you, I mean, when you don't feel good, and it's the same thing with like if you're you're eliminating too quickly, you know, you're not absorbing. And a lot of people will experience diarrhea the first month or so on carnivore because it's an increased fat intake. Right, and they just can't tolerate it, and so it's normal to have some, and that goes back to what I said before about being a kind of a fast or slow person. (laughs) So it may be the same people that are having the diarrhea. So I'd say probably fifty percent of people have diarrhea, and they just have to have patience because it will it will go away, but sometimes can take like a month for the body to adjust to eating more fat and. You can try taking that digestive enzyme, adjusting electrolytes, all those things. But you know, some people say they can't even get through that time. But, you know, just put on some Depends and <laughs> stick with it. Because it does. I mean, almost every single person has told me it went away. But it can be hard to get through that. But for sure, I didn't have that. And I got my dad to do carnivore. He's lost 70 pounds. Oh, my God. At 70 three years old. (laughs) Good for him. That's, that's, that's a
0: challenge. Cause I feel like, you know, when your parents and when they're in their sixties, seventies, eighties, whatever it might be for them to really change their dietary habits can be a real challenge.
1: Well, I got him, you know, with the, like me, he, he didn't want to be hungry. He's always, he's done, he has had, even had gastric bypass and he was able to do carnivore. So some people say, well, Oh, I can't do it because this, that, and the other. And it's like, well, are you sure? Because if my dad can do it with a pea-sized stomach or whatever, like, right? I mean, of course you can stretch that out. But yeah, we did a video on my YouTube about it. Yeah, he broke through. Now he's under three hundred pounds, so that's pretty amazing. That's amazing. Good for, for him. For The first time in like fifteen years, he's been under three hundred pounds. So that's pretty amazing. I mean, he's really tall guy. But, you know, for somebody, like you said, to change that late in life. Yes. But, you know, he's like, and, and, and that's the thing I worry about with people. Some of the big influencers in carnivore, I feel like they just make it so complicated that they would run off the everyday person who maybe could get a lot of benefit, you know, by talking about, well, you have to eat organ meats, you have to eat nose to tail, you have to eat grass fed, and, and all those things are great. They all have benefits. But, you know, if I had told my dad who, you know, I mean, he shops at Kroger, he shops at Aldi, whatever, you know, it's right, like, right. dad, you have to eat. I mean, he likes liver, but you know, if it was like, and you have to make sure you have two to one protein of fat. And uh, it's just like, he would have been like,
2: no I mean, way. all
1: I told him was just eat fatty meat as much as you want and you know that was 8 months ago you know and he's been doing great you know and i mean i i tell him about electrolytes and stuff especially in the summer because i'm like you need to
0: yeah let's let's dive into that about the electrolytes and what's happening there and and why people really need to be conscious of supplementing with them
1: well i think you know a lot of people are aware of it on keto I think because I was always eating so many vegetables when I was on keto, I didn't really have a problem with electrolytes. Right. and Maybe I did and I didn't know it, but it's just, there's an argument on carnivores is do you just need salt like sea salt, which does have some minerals. Right. Or do you need to take an electrolyte supplement? And like,
0: how would you know? When would you know that you might need to introduce that?
1: Well, I think- you know, problems with digestion, problems with sleeping is a big, big thing. A lot of people have problems sleeping. And if I I think that that is directly related to electrolyte imbalance, basically any problem you're having on carnivore, I would really up my electrolyte. So, you know, any kind of discomfort feeling you're having is going to be helped by I really only did salt because I wasn't really having any problems. Right. I was feeling good. Now, if I didn't take my salt, I would wake up in the middle of the night. I would put it in little gelatin capsules because I don't like, I hate the taste of salt water.
2: So I would just
1: take like Redmond salt or any kind of sea salt, put it in some capsules, take like two of them before bed. And then if I didn't take them, I would wake up in the middle of the night and be like, uh, I feel that's
2: wild.
1: It is weird. It's it's really weird. And then so I would always take my salt pills before bed. And then I might take one or two during the day. But for me, it was most important at night. And then I would always I was always a big salt user anyway. Right. And that seemed fine for me. And then other people have told me that they had a lot of problems. Like I know one friend, she was up peeing all night long. Right. And I think that was due to, I mean, she had lab tests and stuff and it was, turns out it was like a potassium thing. uh, So she wasn't getting enough potassium. So in that case, you need to be more focused and really either take a pre-made electrolyte or I have a blog post with my electrolyte drink. Now it has the Morton's light salt, which is not perfect, but it's very cheap and it's very available. Right. It does have, I think, a tiny bit of dextrose or something crappy, but it's like a $2. So it's like, as far as an electrolyte supplement goes, and it balances out because potassium by itself can be problematic for heart health. So if you are out of balance, you know, it's not good to just take it as a free- mineral because it can just mess up your heart. So that right. scares me as a, you know, practitioner, which I mean, I'm not really, but I just play one on the internet. So <laughs> I mean, I don't really work with people is what I'm saying anymore, right, right. But I talk to a lot of people online and everywhere else. So I I don't like to tell people to take a free unbound potassium. Potassium, right. So that's why I like that Morton's light salt because you can get it anywhere i'm i'm sure they have it in canada even shocker right you guys always say we can't get this we can
2: i that. know it's I'm true
0: like... though it oh is so gosh. true it's really? wild
1: but hopefully, they would have that in Canada too, or a, maybe a different brand.
0: <laughs> I mean, we use, I use a lot of Redmond Real Salt. Yeah. That's the one that I but use. But that's
1: not going to get cheap. You. If you're trying to make a specific electrolyte drink, right, right. Of course, Redmond sells it, but it's not cheap. Redmond sells them yes. a relight and it's 40 bucks. And I mean, I love it. But, but they, yeah, send, not
0: everyone can, can afford that. They send it
1: to me for free. So, of course. And I mean, yeah, I love it. It's great. But I didn't start taking that till this summer. So right. So anyway, if you want a cheap option, <laughs> go get you some Morton's light salt and follow my recipe on my blog. Perfect. And that has helped so many people. My sister actually did carnivore for about three or four months before I did. And she was always on my head about electrolytes. And so she drinks that every single day. She makes she because a pinch of this a pinch of that and she can drink salty water I cannot it makes me want to vomit so right so um and you can add I mean you can add a little lemon or something if you want to make it you know a little more tasty but that helps a lot of people is making that electrolyte drink and we have we actually had to have a coaching group this last in June all of June we did a a coaching group me and my sister for carnivore and we we just kept telling them every day, drink your thing. And then they would come back and say, Oh, wow.
0: Like what a difference.
1: Huge huge difference. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Good to know. Well, yeah, we can definitely link that in the show notes. But before I let you go, I want to know about your journey with pregnancy and being on the carnivore diet and what that's been like.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, I feel like because I did carnivore, I was in a really healthy place in order to get pregnant. I mean, I had a lot of help from a lot of doctors and stuff like that. It's not like I'm saying it was a miracle pill or something, but I felt like I was in the healthiest place I could have been at the time. And so that was a big thing. And then I think it's helped with cravings and blood sugar. I mean, I did had to do my glucose tolerance test and which I opted. I, I told them I'm going to do that at home. And I did, I have keto mojo and I just did the test four times a day and it got my blood sugar. And it, it was interesting. I, I had done that before, but I did it for two weeks straight so that I could give them the information, you know, that most of the time they want you to drink this syrup. Yes. And because I don't eat carbs, I was afraid that I would fail because I'm not used to eating that much sugar at one time.
2: Right. Makes sense. And
1: I didn't know what would happen and I didn't want to fail. And then they say, Oh, you have gestational diabetes. And then a lot of times they recommend a C-section once. I mean, maybe they would have given me another test or something, or, I mean, I could have, you have to be assertive, just like I'm sure all of your listeners, just like as a thyroid patient, for sure. you have to be very assertive. You can't just go in there and Be like, well, whatever you say, you know, you have to stand up for yourself, just like in every other situation, especially as women. You know, I think we get treated like hypochondriacs, and I mean, don't get me started. (laughs) (laughs) It's so so true. And, you know, we're emotional, we're crazy, all that stuff. But I also opted for a midwife, which they have a less interventional approach going into it. Um, It's not 100% perfect or anything, but it's a lot better than you know, let's just cut you open and hope and just be quiet, you know. Um, So you, you want to try to get more people that are holistically minded on your team or whatever. um, I also have a doula that I got way after I got pregnant because I just kept talking to people and they said, especially with Corona the C word. Yep. <laughs> you want to make sure you can only take like two people now to the hospital. That's right. So I've had my husband and, you know, I really wanted somebody else who knows what's going on that is available. So um, I thought about it more and as a doula, whereas if it wasn't that tier- things going on, I might could take my sister and my mom and my stepmom, and you know they might go all in and out or whatever. For sure, because you really have to be specific about who you're going to take. Now, you know, I wanted somebody who's going to stand up for me if I'm if I'm tired or if I'm out of it or whatever. Of course. But as far as yeah, and then I I did the glucose tolerance thing, and my blood sugar was really stable. But I just cannot imagine if I was eating a standard American diet, because some things did spike my blood sugar. I mean, I haven't been 100% perfect as far as carnivore, because I have such severe sugar cravings. So I would let myself occasionally have like keto treats or things. And like uh, one day I ate, you know, those smart sweets. I don't know. Oh, yes. Oh my God. Those
0: are so addictive.
1: They're so good, but they're so sweet. And so, you know, kind of something's rotten in Denmark when you eat those and you know they're just so good. And you see like it has tapioca syrup. Of course. And yeah. And they say it doesn't it's like, yeah, right. Doesn't t- spike your blood sugar? Sure, right. So that was one thing I ate and it's tiny little bag. It's like five yeah. Swedish fish or something, you know? <laughs> yep. But that like I think spiked my blood sugar up to one thirty, which I never saw any Whoa. other food. You know, no other food did that. And like I think the highest I got up was like even at like a rebel ice cream, which I don't know if you have that up there, but
0: no, we it's don't. Like a
1: keto ice cream that's pretty. It doesn't have a lot of crap in it. It's basically just like cream and maybe a little bit of chocolate and then the sweetener, right? Natural ish, you know, sweetener, and that would only spike my blood sugar to like one oh five, and then um, but most of the time it was around eighty, ninety. Which is good. It's just totally fine, and then you know sometimes I get a seventy something in the morning or something. But I mean, I just could not imagine if I was eating sandwiches and pasta and all of those. I mean, I don't see how anyone would pass. I mean, unless they're maybe twenty years old or something and they just haven't had any, you know, damage done to their body or something. I don't know, but I just cannot imagine how. Somebody eating a standard North American diet (laughs) (laughs) would survive that. I just don't, I don't understand because I mean, I can't imagine if I had actually eaten like a piece of bread or something, you know? Oh yeah.
0: I can only imagine what that would have done.
1: It was like mind boggling. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, that's so interesting. And thank you so much for just sharing all of that and your journey. And we haven't spoken about the carnivore diet yet on the podcast. So it's just interesting to hear, to hear about it. And thank you so much for that. Where can our audience find you?
1: Well, I'm on Instagram. My handle has is called grassfed girl. So at grassfed girl, and then on YouTube, it's the same. And my name's Caitlin Weeks. So You you can find that or grass fed girl wherever, so it's on, it's the same on all social media. And I have YouTube, I put out two YouTube videos a week. I mean, so far, I don't know if it's if we'll keep up during
0: (laughs) for sure once your baby comes. (laughs)
1: Period, yeah. And then I have a a blog with a lot of recipes, paleo type keto recipes, it's grassfedgirl.com. And yeah, I'm on. Instagram mostly every day doing, I make infographics and I do stories and I show what I'm cooking and what I'm eating and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I like it. It's really fun. And I mean, I, I love, it's most rewarding to get messages from people that are having, and I'm sure you get the same thing, like are having chronic health issues and they find relief or, you know, just more peace of mind with, you know, changing stuff around. For sure. So it's really rewarding. That's amazing.
0: Oh, well, that's so exciting. And your book, Mediterranean Paleo Cooking, which is delicious. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We're going to put all that in the show notes and I hope everyone will go check you out. And I'm definitely going to start watching more of your stories so I can see what you're eating and cooking and what you've been up to.
1: Yeah, people can get my carnivore ebook at carnivore30.info. It's a 30 day carnivore diet challenge.
2: Perfect.
1: And I just feel like my approach is much more moderate than a lot of the people. Because I want people to succeed and not be perfectionists and not overthink it. So if somebody wants to start, it's a really good way to to get started.
0: Perfect. Well, we'll be able to be sure to put that in the show notes too. So awesome. Thank you. Thank
1: you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for being with us today. Take care. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode today with Caitlin. If you want to learn more about the carnivore diet, head on over to carnivore30.info and make sure to follow Caitlin over on Instagram at grassfedgirl. She posts some really amazing info and content and just some really great infographics to help you learn about the carnivore diet and the keto diet in general. And then her website, grassfedgirl.com, loaded with so many amazing recipes. So definitely check it out and You guys are going to learn so much from her, and I will be sure to put her 10 ways to get started on the carnivore diet over on the website. You can find that over at the show notes, holisticwellness.ca forward slash episode 118. And of course, come follow me and my new dog journey over on Instagram at holistic wellness foodie. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Have a wonderful week, and I'll chat with you all next week. Take care.